The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome to the program. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. This morning, we have got a program lined up to really kind of talk a little bit about what we see going on economically worldwide and how it's going to affect us and the Fed policy and things like that that I think are so critical. Rusty Leonard's with us. He's the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners. He's going to lead us into our discussion this morning. Scott's going to join us. We're going to try to tie together, get some explanation, take some of the talking heads, and I know you might look at us maybe a little bit like that, but we're going to try to give you a little bit more of the reality from your from what we see as investment people that work with you on a, on a regular basis. And also, we've got Scott Jordan, as, as I said, is going to help us with that. But then Shannon Dyson is going to come in, and he's going to give us some insight into some of the issues that we see happening with employee benefits, especially health insurance, a topic called financial wellness and how so important it is to the employer and employee relationship. But first up, Rusty Leonard, certified financial analyst, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, a dear friend of ours. Thank you, Rusty. Thank you for joining us this morning. Always a pleasure to be with you, Jim. You know, Rusty, one of the things that I, I think we talk about a lot of things, you always bring so much you know, industry knowledge and, and analytical work that you do on a regular basis because you manage a lot of money. But I really have to ask you this. You have got a lot of experience in this business. Historically, you've been around a long time. Uh, we're going to just say that you've, you've got experience because we've both been around a long time. <laughs> Bottom line, if you know what I mean. But here's my question. In your experience, in your history, do you see the issues of today different than things that you've seen in the past? Well, uh, it's always different, right? There's always uh, in terms of the specifics. But in generalities, uh, no. I mean, we, we've lived through this before. We've, uh, we've been through stagflation in the uh, mid-'70s. When I was starting in my career in 1975, I bought my first stock. And at that point in time, course, we were just coming out of the uh, the oil embargo and all the stress that was around that. We were certainly in the midst of the Cold War with the threat of nuclear war hanging over everybody's head. Uh, Jim, you and I are old enough to remember getting under our desks at school, you know, in preparation for that nuclear attack. It's, uh, you know, we've seen all this before and we've survived it, right? Yes. Uh, we've moved forward. There yes. may have been uh, setbacks and some of those are pretty tough those setbacks. But ultimately, as Warren Buffett says, it's not smart to bet against the United States of America. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. And that leads me to my question. If you think about it with all that, and I appreciate you saying we've kind of lived through it, and I do like Warren Buffett's quote. Here's the thought. Volatility. 
I mean, it's obviously all over the place today. So do you see this this amount of volatility, and what do you see about it? What do you think about it? Is it likely to continue for this next six months, 18 months? What What's the status? I mean, the sanctions, the Russian sanctions on their commodities is creating some real problems. Uh, I mean, reality is wheat and, you know, from the Ukraine and all the things there. So what do you see with volatility? Uh it's always hard. In a situation like this, we could have a turn towards much greater volatility, or tomorrow everything could calm down uh, quite considerably. If they're, you know, say uh, Putin and Ukraine reach some kind of settlement, he starts pulling his troops out, uh, or if he's assassinated, or some other, you know, circumstance arises that greatly reduces those tensions, and the market starts saying, oh. I think those sanctions will be coming off and uh, we won't have such a, a terrible situation. On the other hand, it could all ramp up. Uh, Zelensky just an hour ago made a presentation to our Congress in the United States. And if he you know, was able to impact their thinking, uh, it may be that the war situation will get ramped up and we'll see greater sanctions or more uh, difficult uh, aspects to those sanctions for the rest of the world. Uh, we could have the fear of nuclear war again, where they're we're training the kids to get under their desks again, right, uh, in, the, in the case of an attack. So we are at a point of unusual uncertainty, and uncertainty is tied directly with volatility. That uncertainty could ramp up or it could greatly reduce in a very short period of time. So it's really hard to say whether, you know, what's the situation going to be. I would say from a longer-term perspective, obviously Putin has cast the die here that uh, we can't ignore, and it will it'll drag on. The bad relationships, a renewed Cold War, the a partnership with uh, China, India being supportive of Putin to some, some degree, all these things from a geopolitical perspective will keep some kind of uh, volatility in the markets even if things ramp down a little bit from here. And sanctions will not go away instantaneously, so there will be some lingering effects, even if the good case scenario plays out. But we have to be aware that the bad case scenario could play out as well. Yeah, no kidding. No, we, we see kind of the effect, I guess you might say, what's going on with us here at the oil prices. As, as we see it very clearly at the gas station. Now, with that thought, 7.9% of crude oil imports come from Russia to us. Now, that's that's not a lot, considering the fact that Europe, it's 40%. Great Britain has said, well, they're going to phase out of the Russian oil imports. Do you see that? And then what's the rest of Europe going to do? Well, uh, you know, again, great uncertainty, much depending on the next weeks and the, and the persecution or, you know, the prosecution of this war and, and whether it continues or comes to an end, a peaceable end and a withdrawal of Russia. Uh, Russia is getting crushed in many ways by this war. It was a terrible mistake by Putin. But as many uh, observers know, he doesn't really have a, an easy exit ramp. Uh, so it seems like he's, you know, the very most, the highest probability is he's going to continue to attack because that's his, probably his best possible uh, way of saving his own skin. Uh, so in addition to that, uh, you have other factors that are weighing on this. Uh, in addition to, you know, again, U.S. is not really all that impacted. We can certainly overcome that. Great Britain, uh, they'll figure a way around it too. Europe will most likely figure a way around, but with pain. There won't, won't cut, it's not a painless solution, right? But also, one of the things offsetting that pain is uh, Venezuelan oil potentially coming back on, to, on stream and Iranian oil coming back on stream. And as has been noted, Biden's running around trying to do deals with those devils in order to 
you know, reduce the impact of sanctioning that other devil, Putin. <laughs> so it's a, it's a sketchy situation at best. But uh, the, when everything is said and done, Putin's oil may not go to the places it used to go, but it may go to other places like India that will use it. And then whatever oil India was buying, the U.S. will buy. And so it's a big chess game that may all end up not all that different from where it was before in terms of the actual supply of oil to the global market. And that's one of the reasons why you've seen oil prices uh, back off dramatically here in just the last couple of days. Yeah, last couple of days. That does make a difference. So Federal Reserve. What are they going to do today, in your opinion? And again, how does that affect us? I mean, there's so many, as you say, the volatility, the unknown, and the Federal Reserve's caught in the middle of it. And if we'd have talked about this six months ago, in fact, we talked in January. We did. Yeah, we kind of thought this is what, and now now what's, now what are we thinking? Well, I'll tell you what. I would. Aren't you glad that you're not Chairman Powell or one of the board members having to make this decision? <laughs> Amen. Yes, sir. They are in a pickle. They are in a real bind, and part of it's of their own making, as we've talked about before. They had just missed the boat. One of the greatest uh, central banking errors of all time was last year, and uh, Chairman Powell really wears that. I'm surprised he got reappointed, but he did. And his general mode is very moderate, and so uh, it's really shocking that the Federal Reserve did not react sooner. And so there's, the, you know, the market's trying to figure out: Will they now overreact because they they messed up so much? And then on top of you know, creating a, an inflation problem on their own. Now you've got the sanctions and all the wheat prices and oil prices and everything else, all the commodity prices going through the moon, which is going to feed through to a greater inflation. Are they going to, are they going to be forced to overreact or are they going to continue down this? We'll just kind of moderately react and, you know, do quarter point increases over time. And if inflation just keeps running away, we're just going to ignore it. Uh, my guess, and it's completely a guess, is that they're, they're going to lean more towards the moderation. That seems to be Powell's uh, line of approach. And additionally, it's an election year. And so if they suddenly uh, raised interest rates and, and you know, basically the Federal Reserve could come out and say, hey, we've got to make a decision. Are we going to fight inflation or we, and send the economy into a recession? Or are we going to let inflation run wild and keep the economy growing? Uh, my guess is they probably opt for the, the latter rather than the earlier. But if they do opt for the, you know, the, the first choice of sending us into a recession to beat the uh, uh, you know, beating flesh inflation back into a cage, uh, you know, that's not good for the markets. Yeah, so no that's a risk. That's a risk. That's a that's a big risk. Well, if you're talking with Rusty Leonard, he is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners and does a great job for us, and he always brings us great information. Rusty, when we come back, we got to take a break. When we come back with with inflation, seven point. Nine percent is what we're looking at. And the idea that the monetary policy is, is tightening or changing or whatever we're going to do with it, as you said, it's they're in a pickle. I love that. I want to talk about stagflation. I actually heard a particular newscaster say the word stagflation. Haven't heard that since the 80s. So I want to talk about it when we come back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Stay with us. This is Talk Money. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Rusty Leonard or Stewardship Partners. The views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Just want to remind you, you can find our show on podcast wherever you're listening to your podcast. Just search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. We would appreciate it. My guest is Rusty Leonard, CFA, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners. 
and always a great guest because he brings us around and kind of keeps us from getting emotional with all the news. He helps us see some things and understand some things, does a great job for us. And again, Rusty, we thank you so much for that. The word stag- stagflation. I mean, it's hard for me to even say the word stagflation. <laughs> I mean, it's been a word, and I remember the pain of what we saw in the 80s and runaway inflation and literally a, a very uh, – passive or maybe uh, sick economy is the easiest way I can say that. What do you see now? I don't see that, but what's your thoughts? It was used. It was a term I heard. Yeah, it's something that we all need to be concerned about. Uh, again, this reflects the, the Federal Reserve's uh, problem that they face. Uh, we have a very high level of inflation. So the inflation part of it we have in place, right? Uh, what we also have at the moment is an economy that up until now, at least, has been growing very nicely. Uh, and re- rebounding from the COVID mess that we had, and, and with all the government stimulus thrown at it, it was, you know, re- in fact, it was rebounding much too fast. Uh, so now we're sitting facing a different situation. Uh, with that inflation starting to bite, people are not able to spend as much money uh, on things other than gas and food as they uh, used to. So we're seeing real retail sales were reported this morning, and it was negative. And so that's a precursor to an inflationary, or excuse me, a recessionary trend. Stagflation can be just low growth. It doesn't have to be a recession. So it could be, you know, one, one, one and a half percent economic growth. Uh, but it, it's just painful, uh, you know, because your your uh, salary isn't going up as much as the things you buy are going up in price. So you're just being squeezed, squeezed, squeezed all the time. That's basically what a stagflation is to the average Joe. And it's a very bad thing for the stock market. Yeah, that's uh, that's I guess that's the reason why if you want to get somebody's attention, you mention something like that, and you say we have to, we have to, you know, be thinking about it. We have to let that play into our equation of what we do in the future. Here's the thought for you. I guess I read this from a report I get from the White House, and it just simply said that Biden, our president, has signed an executive order. On this past week, I believe it was, that uh, sets in motion research and development of the American Central Bank Digital Currency, the CBDC. That's a great acronym. And, uh, and I guess the thought was that 19% of small businesses in the United States expect that they're going to use cryptocurrencies as a payment in 2022. I was a little shocked at the timing of that, but I know, I know there's a lot of movement in that direction. Your thoughts? How do you see that affecting us in the future? Uh, first of all, in terms of President Biden's executive order, uh, it was <laughs> kind of a classic uh, presidential executive order type thing where it's probably a lot of pages that says very little. It was uh, very vague, right? So it gave, yes. gave very little direction to uh, those small businesses as to how they should be thinking about this. Uh, if you own uh, Bitcoin or, or something like that, you probably need to be concerned about this central bank digital currency, the CBDC, because it could be a competitor. Uh, and obviously, they hold all the cards. They, they make the rules, right? So there, there could be a competitor to Bitcoin and all the other cryptocurrencies. Uh, the crypto market responded favorably to this because uh, when Biden put out whatever his executive order was, it didn't have any direct threats to those other cryptocurrencies. But I have to believe in the long run, there's no way the government's going to release the power uh, of cryptocurrencies to, you know, uh, an independent group that's outside their control. So if, if I'm a, an owner of cryptocurrency, I'm 
I'm concerned about that. And I think the government taking the first action by issuing this executive order should raise the alarm bells a little bit for people. It's not something that's going to happen uh, tomorrow, but at some point in time, uh, you have to believe that they're going to say the only digital currency that's allowable to be used by those small businesses who want it is the central bank digital currency. Well, that's uh, you and I are on the same page with that, and I and I guess the whole reality is that it's something that seems to creep into the news media on a regular basis. Something about cryptocurrency. So I think it's got us all listening about listening to it, thinking about it. Um, and again, the executive order. We'll have to see that plays out. China. Everyone seems to be concerned about China and uh, the reality, especially when the war broke out. Was China going to get involved? At first, they were saying, we support you. Now it's kind of a passive, maybe, maybe. In fact, they're more, a lot more passive than I would have thought they would have been at this particular time. What do you see that's important from Russia and the China, kind of their alliance? And is it truly an alliance? Or the fact that so much, so many, so many dollars that come, you know, we import from China, such as that controlling it? Or what, what is your take? Well, uh, we probably need a whole different program on my bigger my bigger take on this, which is obviously China and uh, Russia and maybe even Saudi Arabia are kind of trying to work together to break the grip of the U.S. on the global economy. And I think when China entered into its alliance with Russia prior to the Ukraine war starting, they thought that the Ukraine war would go quickly. It would send um, you know a signal of strength to the world that this new alliance was powerful. And instead, it's had just reverberated negatively back on China. Uh, the war's gone badly. The sanctions have been uh, massive. The commodity prices have gone through the moon. China, who already has a teetering economy, is now faced with uh, a global recession prospect because of all these uh, these sanctions. And as a result of that, their business is going to go down because they're a huge exporter. So suddenly China's like, oh, I think we miscalculated here. Let's uh, re- re- let's review this uh, association we have with Russia. And they're you know kind of downplaying it at the moment. Uh, clearly, their intent is to take back Taiwan, cripple the U.S. They have weak U.S. leadership. They, have, they think they have weak European leadership. That leadership has stood up a little stronger than they thought, particularly in Europe. And uh, I think the whole equation, they're, they're probably recalculating all their equations right now. And they're also looking at their own economy, which is suffering again from their own real estate bubble. Uh, you've seen M1 money supply go negative for the first time in history in China. And M1 money supply is the, the blood for the financial system. If that's negative, that's telling you bad things about their economy right there. Uh, they've got some real, real big challenges in China on the domestic side. Now they're also fighting COVID. They're you know, tr- still trying their zero COVID policy. That's shutting down huge swaths of their economy, uh, they got big problems there. And they, I think the last thing that they want to deal with is, uh, you know, getting getting real buddy-buddy with, with Putin and the Ukraine war. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on there. I mean, I think the reality is uh, Putin may be miscalculated, as you said earlier, miscalculated. It's not playing out as he thought it would. He looked at it maybe as going to be like, a you know, the Georgia crisis where he just goes in and six, seven, eight days, done, and he's out. That is, uh, I really respect the Ukrainians and the and the thought and and Poland. Poland has done a phenomenal job. I mean, just uh, how Europe's handled this has just been over the top, and I so much appreciate it. A lot of prayers, a lot of people are doing a lot of things for it. Question for you, as a closing question, I always ask you this. What do you see on the horizon? Do we see a recession coming? I think the risks of a recession have risen dramatically. And uh, like I said at the outset, we have high volatility because we have high uncertainty. Certainty brings lower volatility. We don't have much certainty about anything. I will say this. I'd feel pretty certain 
that we're not going to have rapid economic growth going forward. And that so the chances that we kind of stumble into a recession through a variety of things, whether it be, you know, sanctions causing all kinds of problems for the global economy, uh, which and then there's I, I don't want to get into it because I know we don't have time. But it, I think recession is something we have to keep our eyes really focused on because it's a growing risk. Oh, that's perfect. We now, now because you said it, we don't have time. We'll have you back on when we have more time to talk. Because I think that's a topic that is so critical for our listening audience to understand. You always do a great job for with us too. I want to thank you, Rusty, so much for today. Thank you for being a part of the program as always, dear friend. We appreciate you very much, man. Like I said, it's always a pleasure being with you, Jim, and I uh, hope your audience benefited from our time together today. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it very much. Rusty Leonard, he is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council, does a wonderful job. Always a pleasure to have Rusty on the program with us. Well, Scott, Scott Jordan, of course, with Shoemaker Financial, well, he's with me all the time. Scott, what is your quick take of what you heard from Rusty? Well, I heard that, you know, and, and, and we know this, that there's a lot of uncertainty out there. You know, that is always what the market reacts to. Uh, there's always uncertainty on the horizon, but the market always seems to be a little surprised about it when it comes along. So we've, we've seen that volatility ramp up due to that uncertainty and, and a lot of good reasons for that because there's a lot going on. Well, when we come back, I want you and I to take a part, and we're going to ask Shannon Dyson to join us too, because this affects businesses, it affects you as an individual, it affects everybody in our country. What do we know, and what do we understand, and what is just negative news that gets your attention? You don't want to miss this second part, because we're going to kind of dive in and peel back what we see and how we should share it with you. So, uh, bottom line, Scott will be with me, and Shannon will be with me, and we're going to just take things apart and let you listen to us. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM, the mighty 990 FM 107.9 and AM 990. Just to remind you, you can find our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. That's much appreciated. We so much thank you for that. We're talking with Scott Jordan and Shannon Dyson. We're kind of recapping what we've just learned from Rusty Leonard. He always does a great job, you know, just opening up and kind of just sharing his heart because he's so knowledgeable. He's got a ton of experience, and uh, we're privileged to have known Rusty for a long time. And Scott, you know, he he really lays out the data that is kind of important for us to gather right. and some information. And, you know, and, and I think it's always interesting because he does it in such a way that I think all people can understand. He doesn't try to get into the weeds or anything like that, which I think is powerful. Now, the reality, though, as you listen to him, and I think it's just the nature of the beast today, there was a lot of negatives. I mean, volatility, commodity prices, oil prices, whether or not. What do you see that's positive? 
Well, you know, we, we talked about for the break, all these negatives do cause a lot of uncertainty, but I think there are some silver linings, not to not to minimize this, this humanitarian disaster and conflict by any way, but we have seen the West come together in ways they haven't since 9-11. So that is, you know, there was a quick kind of unified response to this whole thing, and even normally neutral like switzerland even got involved so we haven't seen this kind of cooperation in a long time you know germany that was big that they they reversed their defense spending and agreed to spend a lot more you know we the u.s has been working with germany for over two decades to try to make that happen Mm -hmm. and happen real quickly so there are some things happen this this is a big event this in, in a lot of ways can reverse a lot of those globalization trends that started uh, at the end of the Cold War and start to reverse that whole thing. But there's there's always opportunities. There's always opportunities. Yeah, always, always. Is, there is always somewhere in there that you figure it out. And, you, you know, that's what we we like working with our managers, people like Rusty and some of the other managers that we work with, because they're always looking for those opportunities. I, th- I think that's critical to remember. You know, there's there are companies that will thrive in this environment. And, and we, we hire great money managers that can do the research and get out there and look at the data and make sure that we're participating in those companies that are going to thrive. You know, I think you're right that Putin may have miscalculated how quickly the West would actually come together. I mean, the sanctions, uh, the resistance to him... Uh, the 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 working with the Ukraine, all that just uh, nobody thought that would happen, and that is a big statement. It is when it comes to the world yeah. system, and that's important. Yeah, I believe China took notice of that as well. You know, I think that's been the big fear of what they will do, but I think that sent a message to them because they're a bigger participant in the global financial system than Russia is. No so question I think, about that. I think that, that it, was a huge statement. As he to talked them. about they're definitely an export economy. Absolutely, and uh, we're big importer of theirs and you don't want to kind of it's kind of like i may not like let's agree to disagree but let's work together it's it's a mutual relationship i mean we've we've become dependent on them for a lot of things and and some of that may change but you know the, the flip side of that is they depend on us to buy a lot of their goods and services so i think you know, a peaceful ending, ending, and us figuring out how to work together would be the best scenario. But no question about that. So, what about inflation? I mean, whether we like it or not, inflation is at seven point nine percent. Big number, uh, big that's sounding a big number. number. We haven't <laughs> seen that since nineteen, I believe it's nineteen eighty eight, yeah, or the eighties for sure. And the reality is, it's got a lot of people's attention. You feel it when you go to the gas station. I did fact like the fact that Rusty did say that we've seen kind of a lowering of prices. Uh, not dramatic areas, enough, but it's areas, coming yes. down, and that's good. I, I so, think so what do you think? I mean, is this is this stimulus reduced? I mean, produced is inflation, or is it? What is inflation? What's causing well, it? Well, it depends on who you listen to, right? I think the what I hear about a lot is it's Putin's fault. <laughs> it's Putin's uh, fault. You know, he's getting blamed on a lot yeah, now. He, he makes a good scapegoat, or it's the greedy corporations' fault. There's a lot of blame going around, but. You know, I think it comes back to the, you know, I, I heard um, Brian Westbury the other day said it may be time to dust off the old Milton Friedman textbooks. You know, <laughs> the excess money floating around in the system is, again, that's that's textbook inflation when you have that much money floating around the system. And, and all the stimulus and, and all the things that were enacted to fight COVID-19, which were necessary, uh, but it has put a lot of money in the system. You know, I was looking at the numbers the other day and our M2 money supply and 
Simple de- definition that's just kind of cash or cash equivalents. Right. Those, those savings accounts, bank accounts, increased by $6.5 trillion from 2019 numbers. So that is a massive amount of, of dollars on the balance the sheets of people that's not being spent, whether yep. they can't find what they're looking for, they haven't traveled, whatever it is, it's there. And obviously, it's the stimulus money. Sure. They haven't been, you know, we still see people that are unemployed, even though our employment, employment, unemployment rate is 3.8%. Very if low. If you want a job, there's a job. Yes, there's, there, you know, we talk to business owners all the time, and, and they they complain to us every day that they just can't find the people. It's, it's amazing how tight the labor market is. But, you know, I think there is a silver lining in all that money, too, that does tend to give us a little slack and a little ammunition in fighting a lot of these these problems that we're dealing with right now in that there is a lot of excess money out there in the system. Now, the flip side of that is, you know, inflation's that stealth tax. You know, it takes money. You know, Rusty mentioned that. Now people are spending more on food, more on gas, and that's less money they have to spend elsewhere. So that can lead to a slowing down of you the You know, economy. you mentioned that being a, a, a tax. In reality, we've talked about that. That's just mm-hmm. something we were taught in school. The reality yep. is inflation taxes everybody. It does. It, it lowers the purchasing power of your money. So, you know, a dollar a dollar today, you know, a dollar in three years, you know, maybe worth 83 cents if we have, uh, you know, even 3% inflation. Yeah. So it's it's something that just takes that spending power away. So that's that's the more the need for the growing economy, more the need to invest and grow that money as well. You have to be able to outpace that inflation. Though, you know, inflation is likely to remain elevated. I mean, I think we've talked about it. it could go I mean, the idea of transitory inflation is kind of gone. That's a I hear word. persistent now. <laughs> yeah, I hear that, persistent. That transitory has been replaced with <laughs> yeah, that's persistent. Right. So in the near future when we look at that, but it's eventually gonna come back down. Eventually it'll you know, it'll recycle itself. The trends tell us that that it'll come down. The Fed's got to react. I right. mean, I think right. Rusty really was kind of kind to Mr. Powell because bottom line is he has been, and I'm going to use the term, passive and lethargic. Right. right. I, I think it, you know, I think the base case would still be that it comes down. I think it's something we're monitoring closely, but you already started to see, you know, some, you know, inflation was here before Putin started the conflict, by yes. the way, just, just as a spoiler alert. But, um, you know, you started to see it come down as the supply chain problems started to fix themselves. Now, this this conflict in Ukraine has kind of, I think, slowed down the progress a lot because, especially on the energy side. But I think that we will see the trend move back down. It may settle in higher than it was prior to to this era, where we saw you know really sub two inflation for a long time, and that desire of the Fed to get it up to two, I think it, I think we'll see it settle in higher than that. But I think those trends that were there before all this came about will still push that uh, that in down a little more. The reality is you're saying the trend is down, but it may be higher than two. And it could been, be. And that's a possibility. And the two has been the target by the Fed. Well, one of the things that we're seeing is a large investment in productivity enhancing tools by businesses. We've seen them invest in software and other ways to try to make up for both the labor shortage and also the supply chain problems. So I, I always would bet on American innovation and American businesses to innovate and become more productive and productivity will will bring down inflation. That was what Warren Buffett's quote, you know, yep. don't bet against America. That's I totally line. agree with yeah, that. We with our backs against the wall, we figure out a we way to solve out. problems really well. All right, we said passive, we said lethargic with the Fed, Mr. <laughs> Powell. I hate to be a, it's I, not very complimentary. I'll call him later and tell him it was okay. I'm sorry, but the reality is. 
the monetary policy is scheduled to reverse course. I mean, we just might as well explain that. I mean, talk about it. What's going to happen? We're going to raise rates. Well, we've been in an easy monetary policy, both with the buy and buying programs and the quantitative quantitative easing and keeping rates down at zero. Well, that has been well telegraphed by the Fed, their intentions to move away from that super easy policy into a tightening policy. Uh, the, the first hit rate hike is expected soon. We, that's Again, that is something the market has been anticipating for a long time because it was clearly communicated. But, you know, I still say we are a long way from tight. I mean, yes, they're going to have to start moving rates up. And the fear is, as Rusty mentioned, is, okay, they've They've under undershot, you know, they've they're behind the curve on inflation right now. Will they overreact and push us into a, re- a recessionary type invol- environment kind of like what Paul Volcker had to do back in the 80s, you know? He had to really ramp up the tightening schedule to fight that inflation and, and it did a push a ton of money out of the market. Yeah, yeah. and so. and that's kind of the way you do it. You pull the money out you raise the rates, and that begins to slow things down. And he, you know, that's kind of the book. Yep. He kind of wrote the book on that's what you got to do. So we expect some of that coming up. All right, uh, I, we've run out of time. You got to be kidding me. No, but I guess what? Some. I got a plan. <laughs> okay. You're coming back next week. <laughs> all right. Because we've just talked about all this. What we need to do is how do the investor react to what's going on with yep. the current situation? And I know the two of us can walk through some things very specific about what should be, be you know, what should we be doing? Right. We've got Ted Miners going to be with us. He's talking about some things about retirement. So next week, uh, we're going to dive into what should the investor do, uh, react to, you might say, in this current situation. That's the key right there. Don't get panicky. How do you manage to look through this process? You got to come back. That was pretty clever the way you hey. did that. Kind of a kind uh, of a cliffhanger yeah, there. We're going to go. We're going to come back, but you got to tune in next you week. You got to tune in next week. <laughs> Coming up, Shannon Dyson is going to talk with us. He's going to give us some ideas behind some of the employee needs when it comes to health care. He's going to talk about a big subject that's really, really important, financial wellness and how it affects you, the employee and the employer. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Jim Shoemaker, this is Talk Money. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. I just remind you that you can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review. Much, much, much appreciated. My guest, Shannon Dyson, he is the director and head of the vice president of SIS, Shoemaker Insurance Solutions, and deals with employee benefits and does a lot of shows with us when we talk about Medicare and Part A and Part B. He's the expert in our office there, does a great job. But today, we're talking about the kind of the kind of a subject that is not new, but is really gaining a lot of traction because after a year of COVID-19, two years actually, uh, disrupting all of people's lives, I mean, I mean, finances has become the top cause of employee stress. It's more than job. It's more than health. It's more than relationships. In fact, you combine all of those financial stress, finances, is what creates so much of of just that aches in a person's life that there needs to be something there. And so what he's going to talk about, you don't want to miss it. Now, listen, pay attention. Take some notes. This is about something that affects you. And when you look at what this survey that he's going to refer to, Price Waterhouse Survey, talking about 
it affects you when finances are not in line. So, Shannon, welcome to the program, sir. Thanks for having me back, Jim. You know, Shannon, this is a, such an important subject. You always do a great job, but this is such an important subject because when you read this Price Waterhouse study that was done in 2021, it was just simply saying for that year, and now we see it two years, and I was talking to a psychologist just yesterday, and he was telling me that the biggest issue he sees today in distress is not always relationship. He said people are struggling financially, going through trying to make this happen, that happen, and yet there's so much money in the bank account, they still struggle with it. Talk about that. Why is that? Yeah, absolutely. The, many of the things that you just mentioned after going through COVID-19 and disrupting people's lives, uh, financial stress being one of the top priorities for, or the top things that are affecting employees. The PricewaterhouseCoopers study that you mentioned uh, said that 63% of employees say that financial stress has increased since the pandemic. So out of the 1,600 people surveyed, 63% said that financial stress has increased since the pandemic. And what that is causing, uh, it's causing employees, they're expecting their employers to be more strategic in the benefits that they offer. Um, they want their employers to be helping with this problem. You know, you think about that. Uh, I think some employers can kind of push that out of their mind and think about we're retooling this, we're trying, and they sure. forget that that person's coming to wor work and uh, struggling to balance their checkbook, struggling to pay for kids' schooling, struggling to pay for clothes, sure, anything. Yeah, and when that you, creates stress. Absolutely, and when you dig into that sixty-three percent that say that their financial stress has increased. Uh, those people are four times um, as more likely to have experienced a decrease in their income, their household income. They're four times uh, more likely to have found it difficult to meet their household expenses each month. They are two t twice as likely to have taken out a payday loan or a payday advance in the last year, uh, taken a loan from their retirement account. So these are these are issues that are affecting employees that really employers need to be aware of and take action to help. You know, having done this for most of my life where we counsel people about finances and work with their budgets and work with their planning that they're trying to do and, and spend a lot of time, you can sense when that is a problem. And you can say, well, it's because they don't manage their money. Oh, I hate to tell you, it can be from a medical cost or, or a child that has some needs or so. It can come from multiple facets of a person's life that stress from finances. And you think, well, just make more money. Just get you a paid. Let me be the employer. I'll give you a 15% raise or something. That doesn't solve the making problem. Making more money doesn't solve no, the problem. I thought, I've known okay, some people right. making a ton of money, <laughs> a ton of money, and it just stress when it comes to finances yeah. can be from so many different sides of a person's life. And I like what Pricewaterhouse is saying. Yeah. The pandemic has created major problems. So what is financial wellness? So financial wellness for, if you think it from an employer benefit perspective, uh, we are going to, as an employer, offer tools to help our employees manage their money better. Uh, many employees don't have access to, or maybe not they don't realize that they have access to, a financial planner or somebody they could go to and talk to individually. Um, and a lot of times people are, are a little bit embarrassed to ask questions or don't really know what to do. Uh, so offering it as a benefit to help your employees better manage, like you said, just giving a raise and making more money is not going to be the answer, even though I thought that for, for many years well, of my life. Well, everybody thinks that. Once I make more money, everything will be fine, uh, but you've got to learn how to, how to manage it. And, and let's, let's be clear, as an employer, 
you want productive employees. And a financially stressed employee is not going to be as productive in the workplace as a as a one that is not. You talk about this, and I've heard you talk about this to large couple, you know, large co- companies and things where you're talking about productivity, retention, physical health. All that is the is the issues that comes sure. out through this process. What do you see, and when you look at the the impact to an organization's yeah. bottom line. What are the what are the what's the reason? Yeah, so let, let's just talk through this. So, as an employer, we we would hope you know many employers would would do this from the kindness of their own heart. They want to offer this program to their employees, but let's make the bu- the business case for for offering a financial wellness right. program. Um, we talked about distracted employees uh, when when employees are getting. Uh, calls at work from debt collectors or whatever it may be. Or that the is spouse a, calls and, hey, I just got a call. and you know, That's really the bad. I, really, I think I could take the call from the, co- I, I the collector so than if my wife called. <laughs> so uh, that's not a good call. Uh, no, not at all. That's not a call you want to get. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, distraction. So employees whose financial stress has increased, uh, they're four times more likely to admit that their finances have been a distraction wow. at work. Turnover costs. Every employer worries about turnover costs. As a part of this study, 72% of the employees surveyed said they'd be attracted to another company that cares more about their financial well-being. So you're helping with your turnover rate by offering a plan like this. And then a big one, uh, larger medical costs when issues aren't promptly addressed. 57% of those surveyed in this study said that they have avoided addressing a medical issue because it costs too much. You do a lot of consulting with a lot of firms and, and, and helping them exp, you know, understand their medical cost. That is a big issue. When you've got an employee that's out there and is financially not able to pay a bill and he avoids going to the doctor or to the hospital because of the cost, that's an issue that creates all kinds of ramifications. Well, it's going to qu- create issues on costs of health care for yes. sure. Uh, but if you let that go for long enough, well, now it's also going to affect your your time at work, where you could have gone for a day or two and taken care of an issue. Now you may be out of work two, three, four weeks because you didn't address the issue. So employers would be well served to be looking at this this issue. We talked about the reality that that's a big problem with health. You get the stress in the family and the home. But let's talk about creating good financial habits. That's really what financial wellness is supposed to do is dive in and help someone understand working through the household, all mm-hmm. the issues that we could talk about there. We could spend a whole program just on what's going on in the household. Right. But just for our time left, that we got how do you leverage momentum to form all these good financial habits that we talk about? Well, first, we have to recognize what is happening at home, you know, with, with loss of income uh, from, from your employees and increased in expenses. We have to realize that as employers, that is going on. But like you said, we could leverage some momentum that we see. And some of that momentum is that the study showed was that 58% of employees are saving more than 10% of their income. That's versus 50% last year. So that, that number is up 8%. That's, that's momentum going in the right direction. 72% has saved more than $1,000 to deal with unexpected expenses. So again, these are momentum changers going in the right direction, and we need to take advantage of those. And the, those changes are coming as a result of people working with someone, guiding it. A lot of times we get a lot of questions just coming in from whether it's a 401k plan or what they're asking. It's just people sometimes don't know, 
and they're looking for some help, and that's what you're talking about. They need trusted guidance. And so a lot of times employees are, like we mentioned earlier, they may be embarrassed. Uh, they, they may not understand or, or want to ask those questions because they feel like, I should know the answer to this, so I don't really want to ask the question. So employers really need to be asking employees about their financial health, but doing it in a private way. In less than 45 seconds. Okay. What do you say to the employer that needs to know about this, besides getting in touch with you? So this is not something, as an employer, that you should be, uh, like I said, doing from the, just the kindness of your own heart, right? There is a business reason to do this. Your employees are distracted. The studies show they're financially stressed. They're expecting you as the employer to help them in this arena now, uh, whereas maybe they haven't in the past. So and you can help your turnover for your employees also. You don't want to lose good people. Uh, so I would say it's not something that is a, uh, a choice. I think that all employers need to be looking at ways to address this with their employee base. Coming alongside and Absolutely. helping. Absolutely, helping. Absolutely. That's, that's a huge thing. Let them know that you're for them. That's the key right yes. there. Well, I want to thank my guest, Rusty Leonard, of course, with Stewardship Partners. Scott Jordan and Shannon Dyson did a wonderful job. If you have questions for Rusty, Scott, or Shannon, you can reach them at 901-757-5757. Guys, did a great job. Thank you so much today. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here, Jim. You can find our show, Talk Money, wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. These guys do a wonderful job. It's tremendous information. I like to go back and listen to it and just hear their wisdom and their counsel. Next week, my guest, Dr. Jim Whitmire from Crossroads Baptist Church. We're going to talk about the Mid-America Passion Play. It's held at Mid-America Seminary, and I want to talk a lot about it's March the 31st to April the 3rd. Ted Miner will be here, how to pick your best retirement plan, the strategies for these trying times. And, of course, also we're going to be talking with uh, Scott again about what to do for next week and all the things we got going as far as this problem we got going on with the Ukraine. That's Wednesday, Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. right here on KWAM, the mighty 990. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.